Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Shane Anything, our weekly Q&A where you can literally ask me anything. Now, everybody gets to watch the show, but the people who pledge at $7 or more per month are the ones who really drive the engine and make sure that this show continues to happen. So if you could bump up your pledge to that amount, that'd be great. Everyone gets to ask questions, though we do give priority to those who pledge at that $7 amount or more. So if you really want to get your questions in, bump it on up. Let's get to it. Our first question for today's episode comes from Bach B. Do you think that games are too long? Or are there other factors that people ignore in this discussion, like how God of War Ragnarok simply didn't seem to grab Matt in the way he probably had hoped, so he's not going to ever finish it? Yet, he has multiple one-hour playthroughs of Skyrim and Witcher 3, where the length for him is not a problem. Okay, Bach B, I kind of see what you're doing here. I think you're trying to say, oh, there's some contradictory stuff going on here. So you're kind of trying to find a reason for why that may be. But I think the reason is very simple. I mean, you're talking about two games with 100-hour playthroughs for Matt that he played a long time ago. (laughs) So back when Skyrim came out, and even The Witcher 3, when it came out, these games weren't kind of every game. (laughs) They were anomalies, uh, particularly Skyrim. When Skyrim came out, there simply just weren't other games that lasted that long. Even The Witcher 3, which was like 2017, it wasn't like it is now where every big budget game is this open world monstrosity that takes you half of your life to finish. So I think it's kind of an apples and oranges comparison. Now, if you could name some other game from the last like year and a half or whatever, last two years uh, that Matt played for 100 hours or more, then that would be fair. But I'll be honest with you, I can't really think of one. Um, I'm guessing he's probably around 50 hours on Tears of the Kingdom, probably around 30 hours on Diablo 4. Um, he didn't play Hogwarts Legacy. So really thinking back to like all the long games from the last couple years, I don't think He's played any of them for that amount of time. So I think with Matt in particular, a lot of it is just burnout. I mean, he also is the type of guy that plays Assassin's Creed for 100 hours or whatever. And I honestly think that the last Assassin's Creed is what killed Matt. (laughs) I think that was the tipping point for him there. He was like, wait a minute. Like, these games are getting way too bloated. And he does play games differently from me. I tend to plow through the main campaign he will fiddle around and do side quests and stuff until the main campaign is easy. And I I don't know. I, I, I would never play games that way. I hear him all the time saying, when I finally started playing the main campaign, it was a joke. And it's like, well, then play the main campaign first. <laughs> like, don't play all the side missions first. That's not the way the games are designed to play. It's almost like you're intentionally trying to break them when you play games that way. I heard from someone else like a week ago that said the same thing. And they said that, They had played Assassin's Creed the same way, and what happened was the game started sending these unkillable enemies after him. He had finally started trying to play through the main campaign, and the game started sending these unkillable enemies after him, and he had to to quit and basically restart the game. He could not make progress through the main campaign. So this is all the developers and designers telling you not to play the game that way. So I think part of it is how Matt plays games, and that plays into some of his opinions and things like that anyway. So to get more directly to your question, do I think games are too long? Um, I mean, I I try to never 
make blanket statements like that. I try to, I've, I said this, I think last week, like I try to stay away from absolutes, like always and never, because there's always that one time where the mold gets broken. Um, so are games too long? I think a lot of games are too long. I don't think all of them are. And really the key is creating a game that keeps a player entertained for the full time, no matter how long that runtime is. And I do feel like some developers at this point they have a good core 40, 50 hour game and they're like, oh, that's not good enough. And so they just start copying and pasting missions and just bloating the game really for no good reason. I don't think it makes the game any better. Now, I do understand there are young folks out there. I used to be young. You don't have a lot of money. And a lot of times you make a purchase decision solely on the fact of how long a game is. So you're like, I got 60 bucks or 70 bucks to spend on a game. I want to get as much gameplay out of that as possible. What I found with people like that is when you start talking to them about the game, they have fooled themselves into believing that they're not doing the same thing over and over. Or maybe they're just a younger player who hasn't burnt out on any aspect of gaming yet. And that's another big X factor here is like, how long have you been playing? How many games have you played? What types of games have you played? If you're someone who hasn't played a ton of big open world games that are really long, if you play one, it's not that big a deal to you. After you've played like a hundred of them, that changes. So again, there's no absolutes in any of this, almost any of this stuff anyway. Um, you know, to say our game's too long, I think a lot of the recent big budget AAA quote unquote games have been too long and they don't sustain the quality all the way through the game. So I'll, again, I'm never going to make bl blanket statements about this stuff, but I do think in generally there's a lot of bloated games these days. Um, just the developer or the publisher saying like, this is what people demand. If they're going to pay for it, if we're going to sell 10 million, if we're going to sell 15 million, if we're going to sell 20 million, it needs to be really long. I completely disagree with that. I do think there may be a sweet spot. Um, like I don't, I don't think 15 hour games are good enough generally um, for most consumers uh, for 60 or 70 bucks. For me, I'm fine with it. For a lot of people, it's not. So I totally understand that. I think part of our job is us putting ourselves in your shoes and trying to figure out what's good for you, not necessarily what's good for us. And I think that's one of the harder parts of being a critic in any industry, not just the games industry. It's, it's your perspective. Are you reviewing things for yourself or are you reviewing things for everybody else? Um, and I generally try to review things for everybody else. It can be hard to put yourself in other, other people's shoes, but I think the longer that you do it, the better you get at it. Next up, our weekly question from Kevin. Oh, this is a fun one. I have 10 very quick questions for you. Okay, so let's do these 10 questions. The first one is coffee or tea? I hate coffee. <laughs> I don't really drink tea either, um, but I drink it more often than coffee. In fact, I haven't had any coffee in over 20 years. <laughs> I only ever drank coffee once in my life. I was working an office job in Philadelphia while I was going to school at Temple. Yeah, I was going to school full-time and working 35 hours a week while I was in college, which is pretty crazy, but I had to do it. I didn't have rich parents. So um, I worked an office job, and a couple. And I was working with a couple of my friends there, and a couple of them started drinking coffee, and I was like, oh, I'll try it. And the, <laughs> the first time I drank a cup of coffee, I was like, oh, my God. I could not believe how wired I was. I had no idea that all this, all this time, all these people who were drinking coffee were walking around like wired. But my problem was... That lasted for like 45 minutes or like maybe an hour. And then I'd, I'd come down and I'd immediately go get another cup of coffee. And this, I think I did this for three or four months. 
And then it started really affecting my stomach. And I ended up spending a lot of time in the bathroom. And I just stopped. And I have not drank coffee since. So well over 20 years since I've ever drank coffee. So it's tea for me. But usually when I have tea, it's in an Arnold Palmer mixed with some lemonade. So there you go. Uh, your next one, chocolate or ice cream. That seems like a weird one. Most people would ask chocolate or vanilla. But chocolate or ice cream, can I answer chocolate ice cream? Because <laughs> you can get both if you have chocolate ice cream. Uh, but if I guess I had to pick, I'm not like a huge chocolate guy. So I would guess ice cream. I'm not a big sweets person in general. I don't eat a lot of like desserts or sweets and things like that in the first place. Uh, so I had to pick probably ice cream because if I had a chocolate kind of bent in me, I could get chocolate ice cream. So I think that's the better answer there. Uh, next up, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. <laughs> Coke. It's not even close. I've been a Coke drinker my entire life. I drink Coke Zero, actually. I don't drink like regular Coke or diet. But um, Coke. Coke to me, no comparison. Pepsi to me tastes like flat Coke. And so I always drink Coke. Um, I always have... Everybody, my family has always drank Coke instead of Pepsi. Yeah. So it's just been kind of the way it is for me uh tattoo or no tattoo so you guys don't know this but i do have a tattoo um the day i turned 18 i went and got a tattoo um because all my friends were getting tattoos when they turned 18 I, again i was with like hanging with a bunch of skaters and punks at that time and some of those people were way into it and ended up getting like two sleeves and actually a couple of them got shirted um, a couple of them have even all their legs done so i'll say this i got my first tattoo and I wanted a million of them. I went home and I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. But I was broke. I was like 18 years old. And I had to choose between getting more tattoos or being able to afford skateboards as I wore out my skateboards and be able to buy a new deck. And so for me, it was skateboarding all the way. And so I got one tattoo um, and I got it in a place where nobody can see it, which is why you guys don't know I have it because I got it right here. Um, and I'll put it up to the camera so you can see it. Hopefully you can see that. I'll just say this. I'm really glad I only got one because <laughs> now this tattoo is like decades old and it's all blurry. Like you can't see the detail in it anymore. Um, I thought about getting it lasered off, but because of where it is, um, it doesn't really matter. And I was smart when I got my tattoo. I was like, man, I'm going to get it someplace where when I go to get a job someday, it's not going to keep me from getting a job. I'll know it's there and my friends and my loved ones will know it's there, but my potential employers will not. Um, so I got it there and I'm happy now that I made the decision to buy new skateboards instead of get more tattoos. I don't begrudge anybody who's really into tattoos. More power to you. Uh, in hindsight, I'm just glad that I didn't because by now they would all look terrible. So, And I'm also glad I did get it up here because again, now the tattoo's blurry. It doesn't look as good as it did when I got it and people aren't able to look at it. So I think I that all worked out well for me in the end. Uh, next, uh, PC or Mac? PC. Um, the funny part is my wife has a Mac and she just started having problems with it. She's had it for like seven years. Um, and she just went to boot it up one day and it just stopped working. It's the first time I've ever seen a Mac computer have PC problems in all honesty. And she has been on this journey for the last two weeks trying to get this Mac to work. Um, it just, something happened with one of the drives and she keeps trying to go through all the processes of repairing the drives. It never works. And now she's finally given up and she's just going to completely wipe the hard drives on her Mac and hope that that fixes it. And if not, it's probably going in the trash. Um, 
But I will say this, like having seen her use Macs, like her Mac has been way more reliable than my PC has been. My PC programs crash all the time. My PC crashes all the time. Right now I'm having issues on my PC of being able to search folders in Explorer. So I bring open a folder and I try to search for a file in that folder and it just won't work. And I have to restart my computer to get it to work again. Like I think one of my hard drives is starting to go bad. Um, so anyway, I've had millions of problems with my PC pretty much in the same time that she's had her Mac and she's had way less problems than me. Um, so I don't know if I'm smart for using Mac or for using PC instead of Mac, but it just so happens that like all the devices, all the programs that I use for gaming, I think PC is way better. So there's a million reasons why I use PC over Mac, but definitely PC. Uh, next up, a new 3D Mario or a new 3D Metroid? <sighs> That's a tough one. I gotta go Metroid here though, because I'll be honest with you, like I like Super Mario Odyssey, but it was the first 3D Mario that I didn't absolutely love. Um, and it's the first one that I haven't finished 100% ever. I have finished every other 3D Mario 100%, collecting everything, completing every mission objective, every one of them, except for the last one. So my excitement for the new 3D Mario is probably going to be Odyssey 2 or something. I'm not that excited for that, I'll be honest with you. However, I am really excited for Metroid Prime 4. Um, it's been a long time since we had a new 3D Metroid. That probably plays into it a little bit. Um, but I'm just way more excited for that uh, because I really liked Metroid Prime 3. I know a lot of people didn't. I really did. Um, and so I'm excited to see what Retro comes up with Metroid uh, Prime 4. So that would be my pick. Uh, next up, E3 or Game Awards? Come on. Why are you asking me this? You know this already. It's E3 for me. The nostalgia. It's the feels. All of it. It's you know how I was reared in the industry. All the personal connections that were made there. All the stories I have. Like, to me, the Game Awards will never replace that. Handing an award to some game for Game of the Year doesn't mean that much to me, honestly. Um, E3, all about the games, all about the people. Easy choice for me, E3. Um, East Coast or West Coast? This is a tough one. So when I first moved to the West Coast, um, I would say West Coast because I just loved it when I first moved out here. Like, no, no doubt about it. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was climbing in my career and things were going great in my career, both at work and not at work. Um, and then as time has gone on, you know, before I moved here, people were like on the East Coast, said about people on the West Coast, they use you, they get what they can get out of you, and then they cast you aside. Um, and I didn't believe that when I first got here because I didn't have anything to give anybody, so nobody wanted anything from me. But then as time went on and I moved on in my career, I could offer things to people. I could hire people. I could give them jobs. I could do stuff for them. And I did. People who I thought were my friends, um, I did. I gave them jobs. I gave them careers. I have given people jobs that have made them millionaires. There are people still working at Viacom that I gave jobs to that are still there, that are still there. They've now been there for almost 20 years, and they're literally millionaires. So, um, you know, when I had a positions where I could help people, I did. Um, and I'll just be honest with you, like, I feel like now that I can't offer people those things, a lot of people have just abandoned me. So um, a lot of people that I thought were my friends on the West Coast, it turns out that they weren't. They just were, like, getting whatever they could out of me. And when they realized they couldn't get anything from me, they ghosted me. And it's like I don't exist anymore. So um, when I first moved here, I thought West Coast was best. I still think if I could transplant all my real friends from the East Coast out to the West Coast, that would be ideal. But I'll say this too, as I'm getting older, I care less about the weather and the things like that. And I care more about the people. And so my opinion of the two is starting, is somewhere in the middle now, 
I guess is the best way I could put it. There's great parts about the East Coast. There's great parts about the West Coast. But what's great about the East Coast for me are the people. And as I get older, that becomes more and more important to me. Uh, and then finally, listening to music or watching a movie. This is kind of like the chocolate or the ice cream question um, because I can watch a movie and also listen to music if the movie has a great soundtrack. So by default, I think I'm going to pick uh, watch a movie. <laughs> Next up, we have a question from El Timbo. Hey Shane, since you have mentioned the rave scene several times and note that we don't ask the right questions, I think the reason why is most of us aren't familiar with the scene. What actually happens at a rave? I always thought it was a bunch of 20 year olds on ecstasy having an orgy. Is this correct? <laughs> El Timbo, I don't think you're alone there. I think people who don't really know anything about it, I think that's exactly what they think it is. I, I think that's what the vast majority of people think a rave is. It's just basically a hedonistic event that people go to and just get out of their minds and act out of their minds. Um, they're, the first thing I should say is that raves today are way different than they were when the scene started. So now they're just a festival. They're just a music concert. That's all they are now. Like, you can go to a festival that has a bunch of guitar-based bands, and it's really no different than going to what a festival that people are calling raves now, other than the music that's played there. But otherwise, it's like the same people. I will say, at raves, people dress a little more creatively, I guess is the word I would use, um, than they do at rock shows. But otherwise, it's all the same crap. Back when raves started, that, that's why they started, was because they were so different from going to a rock concert. Um, and look, I'm not going to deny there's a certain element of drugs and stuff that goes on in raves and went on at raves back in the day. That's absolutely true. But the people who stuck with it and were really into it and made careers out of it or still enjoy the scene like I do, that's not what they were there for. They were there for the music. And for me, what really clicked with me for Rave was that I was into the hip-hop scene when I was in my teens or whatever. Breakdancing, graffiti, DJing. To me, the Rave scene was the evolution of that. Um, now, it wasn't playing hip-hop at raves. It was playing, in my opinion, music that was even better to break to than hip-hop was. Um, but the scene was very much the same. Like, when raves first started, um, it was really about the music and the dancing. And if you lived on the East Coast, you could tell where somebody was from simply by how they dressed. There were little tells. So the kids from New York would roll up one leg of their pants. And that's how you knew that kid was from New York. Um, kids from Philly tent tended to wear a lot of hats when they would go to parties and would use the hats when they would dance. So they'd pull them off, they'd do like little tricks, they'd do stuff like this while they were dancing. Um, the kids from Baltimore and DC, they were almost like breakers. Like they would incorporate a lot of break dancing into their dancing, but it was really all about, people use it all the time, plur, peace, love, unity, respect. It seemed like it was about that when it started. Ultimately it wasn't. You just found out that there were certain people who were just there because they were drug addicts. And they just found a place where they could do drugs and people wouldn't mess with them. But the people who stuck with it, my friends, my crew, um, that was the furthest thing from our minds. That's not what the scene was about to us. And there were huge dance circles where you took turns. You go into the circle, you do your thing, you jump out, people would applaud, give you applause. Next person goes in. And there was battling, but it was friendly battling. It wasn't like in the hip-hop scene with breakdance battles where it was like, this alternative to fist fighting. <laughs> That's not really the way it was, or it even kind of still is in some places in the rave scene. It was about like, I'm going to dance and I'm going to inspire you 
to then come in and dance and dance better. And that's what it was about. Like everybody lifting each other up. And I don't see any of that at raves anymore. I don't see dance circles at raves anymore. Like it's not even a part of the thing. Like I don't understand why you have DJs at raves now. And it's just this one dude behind a bunch of turntables. And in this gigantic stage where they could put like the world's best dancers to dance. And they don't do it. It's narcissism. It's the scene has changed from us to me. Now the DJ doesn't want the dancers up there because then people won't look at them. The other thing too about how it's changed now is that like if you look at raves now, people are looking at the stage like it's a rock concert, holding their phones up or what. That's not the way it was. Nobody looked at the DJ when it started. You were looking at the other people you were dancing with. In some cases, you you treated the speakers almost as a person. I don't know how to put it into words. It's hard to explain unless you were in the scene. Now, again, I don't want to sugarcoat it and make it seem like there wasn't drugs at the raves that I went. There were. And there were times where you walk past somebody and you're like, oh my God, are you going to like die? And there were times where I would stop and ask that person if they were okay. I'd be like, oh my gosh, like you look wasted. And you stop and talk to them, they get angry. They'd be like, get away from me. Because I think what it is, is you're reminding them that they went too far and they just don't want to hear it. So there is that, there was that element of it. There still kind of is that element to raves. But again, the people who are really into it, they don't care about it at all. Um, And really, I don't know, it's really hard to put into words what it was like to be a part of this subculture that nobody knew about except for you and a very select few of your friends and go to these parties where you're like, meeting at a gas station and there's somebody there who hands you a piece of paper that tells you to drive to this spot and there's somebody just standing out in the middle of nowhere at this little dirt road with a little sign that says this way and then you drive and this is before there was a map quest or anything you're just out there and you get there and there's like 2,000 people who are in the middle of the woods um, totally illegal Um, they've set up generators for power like it's I can't put it into words. And then you get there and you see, oh my gosh, there's my friends from New York and there's my friends from Baltimore and there's my friends from Delaware who never make it's, I don't know. It was magical. It really was. And it's nothing like that now. It's really a shame what the race scene has turned into, but that's nothing new. Everything starts out awesome and then it gets over commercialized. Next up, we have a question from Toast9. What is your take on the direct style format becoming the new standard for video game marketing? Out of the participating companies, which do you think does these showcases the best? Did you ever foresee Nintendo setting a new industry trend for this format? I mean, I'll be honest with you, the direct style stuff, it serves its purpose, but they suck. Like, anybody can put one of those together. I'll be honest with you, I think it's sad how little effort they're putting into these. I kind of hinted at this with the Xbox showcase for not E3. Now, don't get me wrong, What they actually showed I thought was great, and it was probably my favorite press event from not E3 2023 um, as far as what was shown and how long it was and things like that. But still, it just was like, it was like a robot put it together. And again, I've talked about this already, about how it was just like, world premiere, done, play a trailer, world premiere, done, play a trailer. It's like, just put the trailers up on YouTube. Do we need them snapped together to make it seem like we're living this fantasy of these awesome things that we used to love? That's what's happening here. Is you're like forgetting about the fact that this is the cheapest, crappiest way to present this stuff. And you're trying to imagine like, this is the way it was when people love the the real press cut. No, I loved the real press conferences where stuff could go wrong, where you learn something from the press conferences because they could take a game out on stage that isn't ready to go on stage yet. And then you're like, wait a minute, this game is supposed to come out in October. That's not happening. Like none of that happens anymore. There's no human element to any of it. It's like, again, like it was built by AI. I hate them. I think they suck. 
I don't blame Nintendo for starting them. Like, it was kind of out of necessity when it started them, but then everybody took it and ran with it. But no one's made it any better. So I guess to be honest with you, I think Nintendos are the best because they still have human beings in them more than others. Like, Microsoft did have a couple of, like, literally, I think if you count the time there were humans on screen for the Xbox showcase, it probably was, like, 90 seconds. Like, at least Nintendo actually has little segues where they bring out people and they talk about... So Nintendo, the first is still the best, but I, I honestly, I hate them all, and I wish they would just go away. Our last question for today's episode comes from Zet Saber. What is the oldest shirt you have? Would you wear it on Game Face? I still have shirts that are 23 years old, and I wear them only around the house because they are worn out, but I refuse to throw them away out of sentiment. Well, Zet Saber, <laughs> 23 years is nothing, bro. <laughs> it's really nothing. So look at this hat. It says Montreal Machine. Do you even know what that is? Montreal Machine was a f an American football team from Montreal, obviously, that played in this goofy, like, U.S. football league back in, like, 1991 and 1992. And I've been, like, a hat collector my whole life. Like, I always, like, I'm a Steelers fan, but I will buy hats of other teams that I like just because I like the hat. Like, so I am, like, a hat collector. I always have been. And I bought this just because I was, like, Montreal Machine. That's, like, the best name ever. And it turns out the league and the team lasted for, like, two years, and now they're gone. But this hat is, let's see, 23 plus, like, 30-some years old. <laughs> this hat is 30-some years old. And I have shirts that are way older than that. I have shirts from the 80s um, from skateboarding. I have old skateboarding shirts that are now worth a lot of money. And I'll tell you what the key is to having shirts that last a long time. Never dry them. Never, ever dry them. Like, for example, I don't know if you've seen, like, my sifted shirts that I got at the same time all y'all did. And I got at the same time that Matt did. My shirts, compared to Matt's sifted shirts, it's insane because he dries his shirts. And so it wears all the print off. I wash my shirts rarely. But when I do, I wash them and I dry them and I hang them to dry. And they last forever. I have skate shirts from the 80s that look like I bought them last week. So I, I mean, I have literally dozens of shirts that are at least 30 years old. And so a lot of them still look like they're brand new. Now, some did get destroyed from skating, just got tears and rips in them. Or some days they just got dirty because you keep trying to trick over and over on a dirty piece of concrete or whatever. So some of them did get ruined, but a lot of them didn't. Um, so I have shirts that are really old. I have sh pairs of shorts that are almost that old. Like, I have a couple pairs of Stussy shorts, board shorts, that have lasted that long. Because they were made out of this material that just, like, would never die. So, I have tons and tons of old clothes. I have t-shirts. I could probably... I probably have enough t-shirts to not wear the same shirt for, like, six months. I could wear a different shirt every day for six months straight. Um, so, anyway, I am a bit of a t-shirt and a hat collector. So, maybe I'm an anomaly. I'm a little different than most people. But, yeah, I mean, I have old stuff. To your point about wearing the old stuff, like, it's way more comfortable. After you've washed a shirt 20 or 30 times, it gets really soft, and it's nice to wear. I do not wear, like, when I'm at home or I'm working, if because now I work from home mostly, I do not, like, dress to impress while I'm working. Like, right now, I'm just wearing a plain black t-shirt. That's it. When I work, that's kind of the stuff that I wear. Like, who am I trying to impress while I'm at work? I just worry about being comfortable whenever I'm at home working. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I have shirts that I only wear at home, but they're typically stuff like this. They're just like all black shirts or all white shirts. Um, undershirts, that's another key to keeping your clothes looking new and crispy is always wear an undershirt with your shirts because how most shirts get destroyed is by deodorant. It's not that you sweat more than anybody else or whatever. The deodorant just eventually collects in the armpits of the shirts and it destroys them. 
wear an undershirt, and then that happens to the undershirt, and it never happens to the actual shirt. And that's another way I've managed to keep these clothes for just decades, and they still look like they're brand new. So anyway, um, just another thing where as you get older and older, like, I don't need any more shirts. <laughs> like, I don't have any room for more shirts. I don't need any more. Like I said, I could wear a different one, like, every day and go for six months without repeating a shirt. Um, so I don't need more. I think I probably have all I need to get me through the rest of my life. <laughs> All right, everyone, once again, a great cross-section of questions there that really run the gamut. I love answering these because I just never know where things are going to go. Uh, so thanks to everybody who asked questions. Keep them coming uh, if you want to ask questions. Again, no matter where you pledge. And in fact, you don't even have to pledge at all to ask questions. But when it gets down to it, and I have two questions there that I kind of like both of them, I'm going to go with the person who pledges. And I will go with the person who pledges a higher amount first. So you do get a bump up if you pledge at the $7 or more per month tier for Ask Shane Anything, but that doesn't lock you out of anything if you don't. So thanks again to everybody. I hope you guys have a great weekend playing, let's see here, this weekend you're gonna be playing Pikmin 4, or you might be playing Remnant 2. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I have been shocked by the review scores for Remnant 2. If you're a big Souls fan, it might be your next fix. You might wanna look into it. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday for Game Face.